I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz Broadcasting live from our Barangaroo studios. Uh, you've just tuned in in time for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to 10 experts, uh, to two experts rather, all in one hour. It is the 20th of January and a very big welcome to our two experts for the call today. David Lane from Odd Minute. Uh, David, how are you, sir? Morning, very well, thank you. Good, thanks for joining us. And also Chris Conway from Marcus today. Chris, uh, Really appreciate your time for the next hour or so. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Um, we've got a, a whole bunch of great stocks that you've suggested we have a look at today. Uh, in this first half hour, we'll be taking a look at Domain, Santos, uh, Domino's, Superloop, and also Simic as well. But um, our stock of the day... I thought we'd take a look at uh, Northern Star Resources and see what uh, David and Chris think of their, uh, their update this morning. Um, Northern Star saying they're on track to reach their FY22 guidance after hitting sales revenue of $950 million in the December quarter. The company's saying it's forecast of up to 1.65 million ounces of gold with an average price of somewhere between 1475 and $1,575 per ounce remains unchanged. More broadly, market taking a bit of a shine to gold after it popped overnight, helping the share price up higher this morning. So what do our experts think of Northern Star and is it a golden opportunity? Uh, David Lane from Ords, um, what do you think of the, the update from Northern Star and it at the moment? Gold stocks generally have disappointed a bit on inflation expectations um yep. a lot of people saying you know investors have been hedging in crypto rather than gold <laughs> yeah that's certainly the case and, and northern star uh like many of the other australian gold miners are, are down uh down about 28 percent from across the the 12 months um up nicely today up about 9.2 percent but yes the, the result uh, announcement today was a, a solid result uh fairly much in line with our expectations a little bit higher on the, the gold production, uh, but as you say, the, the business is, is very well positioned and, and we see them as, as being one of the, the, the picks as far as the, the majors, is con- majors are concerned and longer term they've got a view that they, they should be producing uh, more than 2 million ounces a, a year by 2026 and today's announcement proves that they they look like they're on track for that. Uh, and. Yeah, one of the, the, the better picks. And, and as you said, that uh, Australian gold miners are, are under undervalued at the moment. And we think that Northern Star is one of the, the better plays there. So you, you see it as a buy at these prices? Yes. Yeah, we've got a, right. a buy recommendation. Had a, had a buy recommendation on it beforehand, as is normally the course that the analysts will look at that 
today as a result of their announcement, but yeah. most likely that we'll, we'll keep okay. that in place. Uh, Chris, what do you think of uh, the update and also Northern Star as a stock? Uh, I like the update and I would echo everything that David uh, just said. Uh, I struggle to get excited about gold overall, however. Uh, you know, we know that monetary policy is no longer going to be supportive of gold. The central banks are turning the taps off and really trying to control inflation. Uh, so we have inflation now, but everyone's trying to, to arrest that, uh, that inflationary environment. Fiscal policy also tightening. Uh, you know, the uh, the spending in the U.S. last year was still very accommodated, but, but it was less than in 2020, uh, which is not good for gold either. That might change. That might change once the Fed uh, does actually start raising rates rather than just talking about it. Uh, but until that time and we until we see that uh, that share price tick up and the charts start to look a little bit better, it's, you know, it's really been sideways for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, then I can't get too interested in this one. Right. So um, not just Northern Star, but the sector as a whole as well. Yeah, absolutely. The sector right now as a whole, as a whole for me would be uh, no more than a hold. Uh, like right. I said, I think there will come a time to buy it, um, but uh, I'm not uh, necessarily a value guy like, uh, like David. So uh, I need to see some momentum before I'm going to buy a stock. OK. All right. Let's get into the uh, stocks that you wanted us to, uh, to take a look at and for me to put to our expert panel and uh, Cami, uh, Chris wants a view on Domain, the big uh, listed real estate uh, marketing business, online um, property classifieds business, number two in the market behind REA, biggest shareholder of course comes out of the Fairfax Group, REA aligned with News Corp. Um, How do you think Domain's faring Chris? I think it's done pretty well, uh, not just by looking at the share price rally since the, the March 20 lows. Uh, you know, it, it is uh, it is behind uh, real estate group, as you say, and it would be real estate would be my preferred uh, holding in this space. No doubt it's a high quality classifieds name. And of course, it's driven by listing volumes, which have been very strong into the end of the year. So 34 percent in November, 25 percent in September. Uh, and the, the the overall read through for the year was well above the five year average. So it's been a, a strong property market. The problem coming out the other side is that increasing mortgage rates are going to, to dent that housing activity and uh, certainly weigh on listing growth uh, in future periods. So, yeah, I struggle to see whether the where the further upside is from here. I'm not saying it's bad, uh, uh, but I wouldn't think it would be as explosive as it has been in recent years. So, again, it's probably no more than a hold for me. Okay. All right. Um, David, what do you think of Domain? Yeah, probably tend to agree with that, that uh, we've got a hold recommendation on Domain. Our preference in that sector is is REA Group. Uh, in fact, our analysts have just actually done a, a fairly decent report on the sector in general. Uh, and yeah, we've got a buy recommendation on REA Group, hold on Domain. Uh, and that's really on the basis that REA Group seemed to be getting a greater market share and, and greater market growth. Uh, but it's obviously been a very strong property market. One of the things that the the classified businesses have possibly struggled with is the fact that it has been such a strong market. So there's so many properties that are actually selling before they even hit the market or before they need any advertising. So uh, that's actually been a bit of a challenge for, for those businesses. So if we get a little bit more of a, a softer market, 
we may actually see that that, that tips in the favour of mm. many of the, the classifieds business. But uh, as I say, REA groups our preference there, or potentially even looking at the the, the majority owner, uh, Nine Entertainment, which I think we'll yeah. talk a, a little bit about later. Yeah, uh, it is a really interesting point, David, isn't it? Because um, both the platforms, REA and Domain, make their their money on people advertising their properties for listing and also mm. paying a premium for getting better spots on the platform. But if the property right. market's going wild and selling quickly, the listings aren't going to stay on as long. And there's, there's really no incentive to pay a bit more for a, 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 a premium listing if it's going to get the yep. traffic anyhow. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and many real estate agents are finding that they've got 20, 30 buyers already lined up um, for, for previous properties, so they, they don't necessarily need to go to the platform. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right, um, David Nicholas wants a view on Santos, um, the, the big oil and, and gas group recently yeah. um, merged with, uh, with Oil Search, um, their assets as well. Uh, they came out with their with an update this morning as well. Um, what do you think of oil search? Yeah, Santos, they're our, uh, our, Santos, our pick rather. in that sector. <laughs> uh, great business, very good business. And uh, we've got a, yeah, a buy recommendation on them. And their quarterly production update today was a, a very strong one. Importantly, their LNG sales uh, were, were very strong and their LNG prices were, were quite high. So. Uh, a, a very good result out of them. Uh, they'd also provided a bit of an update on, on the integration of oil search into their business and, and that was all positive as well. <coughs> so we see Santos as being a, uh, an excellent business and, and our pick in that energy sector. Right, okay. Um, their move, Kevin Gallagher has been very much on this hydrogen bandwagon as well. Um, yep. Twiggy Forest is green hydrogen, I think. Uh, Santos is going blue hydrogen, which is uh, the hydrogen you, you get get out of natural gas. Um, yeah, the carbon capture. It, yeah, is that is that an advantage for oil uh, for Santos, or does it sort of muddy what they're doing? I don't think it muddies what they're doing. I think it, it's certainly the way that that all of industry is going. Is there's a a much bigger focus from investors on ESG, uh, and you know I think every company in that sector needs to to head down that path. And I think Santos and, and Fortescue are doing the, the right thing as far as that's concerned. The interesting thing is that uh, we've actually just upgraded our long-term oil price forecast, mm. and that's on the basis that because of all of these uh, ESG overlays, it's actually harder to get, to get capital for traditional fossil fuel businesses. So right. the incumbents, the likes of Santos, who are already producing, uh, almost have a bit of an advantage because it's difficult to get funding for, right. for new operations. So uh, on that basis, you know, we, we think Santos uh, is, is well positioned in traditional fossil fuels, but also looking at the yeah. future in terms of how they, they do it better. So what's your new forecast on the oil price? Uh, $80 a, a barrel. Right, okay. So that's, uh, it, what, long term, it, we did have it at $60 a barrel, so it's just gone up to, to $80 a, okay. a barrel. Because last night it popped above 86 which um, spooked right. a, uh, a few US investors at the stage. And, and also what you say on fossil fuels goes across to coal as well, doesn't it? The, 
coal price at record highs and you've got uh, Whitehaven and New Hope share price going through the roof at the moment. That's right. Yeah. And it's difficult to yeah to, to start a new coal mine. So, yeah, uh, yeah those that are currently producing yeah. are, are in the sweet spot. Uh, Chris, what's your view on Santos? This is a buy for me as well, David. Uh, so, yeah, again, record oil prices or seven year highs, I should say, uh, overnight record quarterly sales for Santos today and record revenue as well. Let's not forget as well that uh, energy typically does well if not best in a high inflation environment, which obviously is what we have right now. Uh, so there's both macro forces and individual company forces that are that are driving this one. Uh, possibility that the company could uh, create some better returns for investors outside of the market forces, potential to sell some assets. Uh, Alaska has been spoken about by a number of brokers uh, and they could also review their dividend policy. So like I say, it just seems like the macro and the company specifics are lining up very well for uh, Santos, and it is a buy for me as well. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's actually down a bit, or basically lime ball on this morning's announcement. Um, is, is that just caught up, in, uh, Chris, on the general uh, bearishness coming out of the US last night? Yeah, I think so. And just even having a look at the, at the chart there, it has had uh, a reasonable run. And I think yeah. there's still perhaps some, um, you know, this is the wash through from the, you know, the first look at a set of results since the merger with uh, with oil search. So uh, there might be some uh, reluctance for people to pile in and want to see a little bit more evidence that they'll bed the merger down and, and drive all the synergies that they were hoping to. So it's the first read. It's obviously going to be the messiest one. Uh, and and uh, perhaps that's holding it back a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Troy wants to view uh, Chris on Domino's, the big uh, fast food chain, not only here in Australia, but also overseas, big operations in Japan, also getting into Europe as well. Um, what's your view on Domino's? It had a big pullback uh, just before Christmas, didn't it? Or around that October, November time? It certainly did. It topped out just above 160, David, and uh, is hovering now above 100. So, uh, look, I need to be straight up with this one. Uh, Domino's has always been a bogey stock for me. I think it's because <laughs> I don't particularly like their pizza. I've never called it all that well. I don't really understand the appeal, uh, and uh, I didn't didn't really like the business model either. So, we all know that they're continually looking to open new stores. They were aiming for 365 in 2022. I don't think they'll get that because of labour availability or lack thereof. Uh, but they continually open new stores and cannibalize regions. So, you know, they saturate areas with more and more stores thinking that the total volume of sales will go up. I, I don't know how much longevity a, a strategy like that has. Uh, and then coming out of Japan, they did announce recently as well that they were, weren't expecting growth out of Japan. This is post pandemic. Whereas we'd seen in Australia that the lockdowns had uh, or the release from lockdowns has had, had had a positive effect on sales, whereas in Japan, the release from uh, lockdowns has had a negative impact. So I think that just goes to show how difficult it is, not just for Domino's, but probably for a lot of businesses, how hard it is to uh, forecast during a pandemic and post-pandemic. But uh, yeah, maybe a, maybe a red flag there in Japan, and maybe that translates into some other regions. But um, yeah, this is certainly, certainly not a buy for me. Okay. All right. Uh... David, are you more of a fan of uh, fan of Domino's? And as Chris was saying, what September it was up at around one hundred and sixty-seven dollars. Now yep. down to uh, hundred and what is it, one hundred and three? Um, as right. it's trading at the moment, that's 
that's a big fall from grace. Yeah, certainly is. Yeah, and it's uh, probably probably in a similar camp that uh, I've never really been able to predict it correctly. Uh, it's always di a difficult stock to buy on fundamentals. Uh, but from a momentum point of view, um, you know, coming down around the near the hundred dollar mark, we've got an accumulate recommendation on them. Uh, our target price is one hundred and eleven dollars, so not looking like an enormous amount of growth out of the the business in the short to medium term. We could get a little bit of a a, a pop with everybody uh, spending more time at home at the moment with the, the Omicron uh, wave. But then on the other side, you've also got, uh, as, as Chris said, the the issue of, of staff and, and whether or not they're actually able to open their stores and, and produce the, the pizzas. But uh, yeah, it's it's not one of our favourite stocks, but uh, we do have an accumulator on it at the moment. Okay, all right. It's always hard to read. They they're great promoters, aren't they? And yeah. uh, certainly within the markets as well, their technology is first rate. So um, yeah, fascinating one. Um, I love. Yeah. Would investors? What about investors that come to you, David, and say, "Hey, 167 down to 103. It's always yeah. performed reasonably well." Do you buy on the dip? Oh, that that's certainly the case, and and there are you know clients who, who will do that. Uh, and with that sort of company, you need to be watching the the share price a little bit more closely than you you would a, a traditional buy and hold type company. But yeah, absolutely, there's there's potential there, and as we've seen over the last couple of years, there can be times when there's um, the the sentiment changes and and the the share price picks up. So yeah, there's a lot of traders in those sorts of stocks and yeah there's there's probably money to be made there but i'd prefer to to be in something that's uh, a little bit more certain yep absolutely because uh, you've got a lot of choice when you invest on the market don't you and when you're only looking for right. 20 or 30 stocks you've got to weigh up yep. oh, is it ju just too hard to predict where they are in the cycles correct that's right yeah um, chris troy wants a view on uh, Superloop, so we'll go from dominoes to to tell sort of telecommunications, uh, Superloop, um, basically a provider of and and build fiber fiber optics into connectivity uh, here in Australia, Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, what's your view on Superloop? From the Bevan Slattery stable, a pretty decent stable uh, with NXT and Megaport in there as well. So Bevan's done quite nicely. Still owns, I think, about eighteen percent of this one, but. Uh, Again, I struggle to get excited, David. Just looking at that share price, it's it's really done nothing over the last three years. Uh, undoubtedly, it's operating in a highly competitive space. There's a lot of players, probably still too many players, uh, competing for too few customers. And as we know, that, that hurts margins uh, and was for a while a race to the bottom in that telco space. It's improved a little bit. The company has gone through a leadership transition. So uh, the new current CEO, Paul Tyler, came in in late 2020 and was looking at bringing his experience to scale the business up. Uh, and then Slattery left uh, late last year. At the investor today, they were talking about doubling market share from around 2% to 4 to 5%. Uh, that's a great goal. And I certainly think that would drive the share price, but I would need to see evidence of that and uh, evidence of the share price responding in kind in order for me to um, to, to be a buyer of this one. So no, no better than a hold at the moment. It's got good pedigree. But uh, that management change, uh, you know, hopefully that's better down. And then we need to see that growth that they're aiming for to, um, like I say, get excited about it.
Chris, as a prof professional investor like you, when you see a character like Bevan Slattery get involved in companies like this, um, is that a good or a bad thing? Usually the share price pops. Uh, whether it can be sustained is a different matter. Yeah, with my trading hat, David, on, it's it's a fantastic thing. If you're quick enough, uh, you can uh, obviously capture those short-term moves and and take out some nice profits. But you need to be well and truly aware that uh, someone sitting on a board or someone being involved in a company doesn't necessarily mean that they're in there every day, uh, you know, on the tools, so to speak, and, and really driving it. And that, that can be a major difference between, uh, you know, uh, just getting that sentiment boost as opposed to getting the the, the full the full uh, the full boost that would come from someone being deeply involved in a company. So uh, yeah, there's a couple of ways you can play it, but you know, I would like to see you know Bevan stepped away from this one um, because he believed that the transition to the new management team was complete. But again, we just haven't seen any evidence of that yet. So him stepping away was probably a negative in the short term. But if they can deliver on those numbers that they were talking about, then obviously it changes the game anyway. Yeah, and it's important that investors with stocks like this um, sort of realise what, what sort of investor they are. are. Are they a trader that watches it closely, takes advantage of volatility, or are you, you a normal retail investor that you want something to almost sit and forget? I couldn't agree more, David. And here at Marcus Day, I wear both hats. So I write a trading section for our newsletter, but I'm also involved in managing our long-term funds. So uh, yeah, it's always important that, like you say, you understand what your goal is, uh, what you're trying to achieve, and then pursue as planned. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And differentiate whether your 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 fund or your self-managed super fund is a trader or a long-term investment fund. Um, David, what yep. do you think of Superloop? Probably similar views as well. That that we uh, think it's a it's a a good business and, and definitely a growing sector but it is very very competitive and uh, Superloop at the moment uh, hasn't got to the point where they're actually uh, a profitable profitable business and, and not paying any dividends so you are really looking at that that trading and that capital growth we've currently got a, an accumulate recommendation on it with a, a target price of a dollar forty so that implies upside of about a 18 percent from where the share price is, uh, which is reasonable, but uh, yeah, not not extraordinary when you are taking you know that amount of risk. So probably one that you'd you'd keep a close eye on, and if you are a trader, you'd look for a bit of a weakness uh, to to pick some of those up. But yeah, it's not a, a core part of our our portfolios at the moment. Okay, all right. Uh, Mike wants a view, David, on Simic Group. Uh, Mike says Simic yeah. recently had a big pullback. Given all the talk on infrastructure uh, and infrastructure spending from governments here and also in the region, uh, what's the panel's yep. view on CIMIC? Um, David, uh, these big infrastructure uh, construction companies, they get involved in big deals, but blimey, margins can be yep. small and there's not much room for <laughs> error, is there? <laughs> Correct. Yes, that's the, the biggest risk with, with a business like Simic. And, and they've had some massive announcements. Just in January, they've announced about $980 million worth of new contracts. Uh, and just before Christmas, they announced a $1.8 billion contract as well. So, yeah, massive amount of work that's happening. And, and they are being successful in getting those contracts, which is, which is good. But as you said, the margins are 
can be very tight. And in the past, companies like Simic and Len Lease and, and other engineering contractors uh, have got themselves into trouble with <coughs> pricing up contracts, getting the, the business, but then being blown out of the water with costs. And I think particularly at the moment, that's a, a, a very big risk because we're moving into an inflationary period. Uh, we have seen a, a massive increase in the cost of building materials and uh, lumber, cement, you name it, across the world. Uh, so it, it could well have an impact on the way that they actually manage those contracts. Um, mm. But having said that, it is a very good business. The share price has come down significantly based on traditional fundamentals, they're reasonably well valued. Uh, it's not a stock that, that Ords actually has a recommendation on at the moment, um, but from a, a fundamental point of view, you could look at, you know, look at the business, but be aware that engineering contractors uh, can get themselves in trouble with big contracts. Yeah, and I suppose, David, this, uh, this is a stock where you relate its future to what you're reading in the newspaper that if yeah. newspaper is saying, uh, economic data is saying inflation's on the rise, uh, supply chain shortages, <coughs> pushing up yeah. uh, inputs and a labour shortage, it, it's Correct. companies like this that are really in the firing line, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah, that's right. And, and the problem with the way they structure their business is that they, they'll often have a fixed price contract uh, that they'll, they'll win now but they're not actually delivering on the, that contract until over the next five years. So it's difficult to try and predict what those vari variable costs might be. Uh, and that's where, yeah, the, the, the risks come in. Um, but definitely there's an enormous amount of infrastructure spending and the, the economic cycle is going in its favour. Um, they just need to make sure that they've, they've sharpened their pencil properly. Yeah. Um, Chris Conway, what do you think of Simic uh, When you look at that, that five-year chart uh, down from, what, $52 to 17 that's a big drop over the last three years. Yeah, it certainly is, David. And uh, yeah, again, with my charting hat on, I, I'm not interested in it. Um, with my value hat on, I'm, I'm slightly more interested. The, the thing that gets me, and you guys were speaking about it very eloquently just then, when I was looking at the research, the brokers that are bullish on it are talking about, you know, the increase in work on hand. I think they've got 35 billion at the moment, and there's some 450 billion dollars of projects that are still waiting to be awarded. None of the bullish brokers were talking about uh, the cost side. Um, I know it's a very uh, a small example, but I'm going through a bill at home myself, and we've had three price reviews already in the last six months because uh, raw materials prices have gone up. So. You know, if that's happening at that speed in the retail market, I can imagine it's happening at a similar sort of speed uh, in this in the markets that they're operating in as well. And then there's also the labour cost, which you touched on, David, too. And uh, you know, we know wage inflation and wage pressures and labour costs are also going through the roof. So, yeah, that point of awarding the contract, uh, like David was saying, uh, and locking that price in, and then realising as you get through the project that those margins are getting compressed and don't look anywhere near as good. That's the worry for me. And that what prevents me from thinking that it's val there's enough value there. So, uh, uh, you know, I would, again, need to see more evidence that uh, they're moving in the right direction and they're able to maintain those margins over the life of a, of a project. And unfortunately, the projects go for so long that you're not likely to see it anytime soon. So uh, I couldn't be a buyer of it now. Yeah. 
And also, they have a big Spanish shareholder, don't they? Is that, um, is, is that an advantage for them or a hindrance? No, I think it's a hindrance. Is it, is it Hot Chief? I think it is. Hot Chief, oh, yeah. I can't even pronounce it, but I think they own about 70% of it or something like that. Um, yeah, it's tightly held uh, and it's, uh, you know, you, you worry about what that entity is going to do with their significant shareholding in the company as well. So that is another risk and another overhang if you're looking at buying it. Yeah, okay. All right, let's recap the, uh, the first five stocks that we've covered, plus our stock of the day, which was Northern Star. Um, I know from Chris, uh, David uh, at Ords, Ords have a, uh, a buy recommendation on Northern Star. Uh, domain, a hold from both David and Chris, both prefer REA in that space, the, the market leader. Uh, Santos, a yes from both, um, uh, both David and Chris, uh, a buy, good trading update from uh, Santos earlier this morning. Um, share price hasn't reacted to it uh, because a lot of it was expected, but, but the outlook looks uh, really positive. Uh, Domino's a no from Chris. Uh, not just because he doesn't like their, their pizzas, but also from an investment point of view as well. Um, odds have an accumulate on it. Uh, Superloop, a hold from, uh, from Chris, uh, and accumulate with a, a target of $1.40 from, uh, from odds on Superloop, and Simic, a no from both of them. Uh, coming up in, the, uh, in this current half hour, we're going to be taking a look at Shaver Shop. Aluka Resources, Nine Entertainment, GPT, and SDR Health. And a lot of people have been uh, emailing in and saying, uh, what about the calls portfolio that, that you cover, um, which we have done over the last two years or so. Of course, any stock that, go, that gets two thumbs up, a, a buy recommendation from both our experts goes into the portfolio as Santos uh, does today. If it comes up again, even if it's uh, the stock comes up again in the future, even if it's in front of a different panel and doesn't get a, a hold or a buy recommendation, then it goes out of the portfolio. Well, we've got some big news on the calls uh, fantasy portfolio and uh, we'll be able to reveal that whole lot more on the 1st of February. It's getting a bit of a makeover and taking up some of the suggestions that you've asked us to do. So uh, that will be in the next week or so. It's very exciting, so watch out for that. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. And David, Brian wants your view on Shaver Shop, um, has stores right across the country. Um, and share price um, has been a dynamic performer over the last 12 months, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Yeah, the, the, the shares have done well, um, probably haven't done as well as their sales. Uh, they've late last year had um, sales down about 7.3%. Uh, so they were impacted by the lockdowns and, and perhaps um, people other than other than ourselves <laughs> um, growing their hair a little bit longer. Um, but uh, Shaver Shop is a good business. Uh, their dividend yield is, is very good. It's uh, about 6.8%. Uh, so from an income point of view, it's, it's a, a good yielder. Um, in terms of the share price, it's, it's probably up a little bit high at the moment. We have got an accumulate recommendation, but probably think that there's not a great deal of upside where they are at the moment. Uh, but it's, it's a good 
long-term portfolio stock that uh, you know if you if you want a exposure to a retailer with a, a good income, um, Shaver Shop does does pretty well in that space. Yeah, and for income investors, that that dividend yield is really attractive given interest rates. Yeah. Have they been able to consistently maintain that? Uh, yeah, they have. Yeah, and it's it's a fully frank dividend as well. So it's a uh, yeah, yeah it, wow. it's a good income uh, you know, for super fund investors or or those in in retirement. It, it um, yeah comes through as a as a, a, a good after tax dividend. So uh, yeah, a, a business that trades on traditional reasonable fundamentals and um, rewards shareholders for that. Yeah, um, Chris, what's your view on uh, on Shaver Shop? Yeah, I quite like it, David. Uh, you know, we run a factor model in the fund and it uh, has a screen for uh, market cap and the market cap of Shaver Shop is only about 155 million. So it never met the criteria for us to have a look at it. But as I dived into this one, I was like, that looks good. That looks good. Uh, ROE uh, is uh, above 20%, which is exceptional. It's an, on an undemanding PE of uh, 9.5 one year forward. Uh, and as you guys were just talking about the yield, 6.8% uh, and 9.6% grossed up. So the metrics look really nice. They've managed to grow total sales, NPAT, uh, return on invested capital and dividends per share, per share, sorry, every year for the last five years. And they've also weathered the pandemic quite well as well by pushing sales towards their online platform. And even that over the last five years, it's grown an average of 55% per annum and now represents a third of their total sales. So like I said, as the more and more investigating I did, the more and more I liked it. And uh, and I think this is a buy, I, I like it as well. Yeah, um, that's a pretty undemanding PE for a retailer, isn't it? We were talking about retail PEs a bit earlier in the week when baby bunting came up. Uh, and it's on, I think, a PA, PE of 40, whereas JB Hi-Fi is still around 17. Uh, and the mm. average of the good retailers is that sort of 16 to 22 times earnings. So um, who was it? Scott Phillips and Mark Morland didn't like baby bunting purely, uh, not on its business model, but on its PE was just so high compared with other retailers you could get into. Uh, Shaver Shop at nine seems really low. Yeah, it is good. I, I guess the, the only worry is, you know, can they grow like other names? So, you know, as you were listing some of those names there, David, I was thinking about Arb Group, which is a company that we followed and and done quite well out of, uh, you know, the bull bar maker, tow bar maker, so on. Oh, yeah. uh, and that is uh, on a big PE as well because it just drive. had that crazy growth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think ARB can maintain the growth? Well, uh, there was some research out the other day that I was reading that was very worried about their supply chain issues. So I think they can still sell plenty of product. It might be the problem of being able to get it at the moment, though. Right. Yeah, yeah. And still uh, plenty of people wanting to pimp their four-wheel drive with... I've got a, I've got a mate who worked with, um, with ARB for a long time, and uh, he said the amount of money people spend on their four-wheel drives is just yeah. extraordinary. I, I'm one of those people, David, I must confess. So uh, that's why I know the stock quite well. <laughs> well, you want a shareholder discount, do you? Oh, yeah, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, David, Julie wants a view on uh, Aluka Resources. Uh, next stop yep. up for uh, consideration. Julie says, uh, shares are at a five-year high. It was 973 at the end of December. Currently... 
above mm. 10 bucks, uh, over 11 on January 14. Uh, number one, yep. why? And is this a time to hold or a time to take some profits? Julie, some really good questions there. That's they're excellent questions. Very, very uh, good questions. Um, at the moment, I'd probably be holding it. The, the share price has been going very, very strongly. Um, we are actually expecting a quarterly result out from Aluka today. So ah. there will be a li little bit more information um, from the company uh, later today. Uh, but yes, the, the, the share price has gone exceptionally well. Um, we probably think that they're they're fairly fully priced where they are at the moment. But if you do have them in the portfolio, I wouldn't necessarily think that, that I'd be selling them because they are in a in a good space and mineral sands uh, are getting caught up in, in some respect in the, uh, the, the tailwinds of, of lithium and uh, battery um, minerals, etc. So yeah, there's, there's some of that there. Well, but what, then, what does mineral sands ha have to got to do with lithium? Oh, it, it doesn't, but I think you, you're getting investors that are uh, are looking at, at rare earths and, and you know, right. linking mineral sands in with that as well. Uh, yep. So, but yeah, generally the, the outlook for iLuca I and for the industry is pretty positive. Uh, and as I say, we'll get a bit more of a, an insight into that uh, with their quarterly update uh, later today. Okay, so you've got a hold on it. Um, Chris, what do you think of iLuca? Uh, I'm a little bit more bullish on this one. Just to answer Julie's question, it's it's undoubtedly tight global raw material supply. And we've seen that across uh, a host of commodities. And, and David was just talking about it with lithium and, and some of that shine on lithium has, has, has gone on to other commodities. But oil, again, at a seven-year high overnight, iron ore was ridiculous there for a while before the big pullback. Coal prices as well, as you were talking about, David. So, uh, yeah, just tight global raw material supply, incredible demand has been pushing prices up, and that, of course, has supported the prices of the producers. Uh, interestingly, uh, Linus, uh, I think there was a headline this morning, posting a record revenue on strong demand for rare earths. So we know Aluka is, has got some rare earths yep. exposure as well. So again, just another piece of evidence showing that, that insatiable demand is uh, really supporting prices. Yep. Okay, so do you have it as a buy at these levels? I would have a buy and I would say to Julie if she's holding it because she was asking, you know, do I get out or take profits? I would uh, I would continue to ride this one, Julie, and have a, have a trailing stop loss in there. So you get to maximise okay. uh, any further upside that comes. Okay. Um, with all of these rare earth mineral sands, um, Chris, uh, we're starting to get some, some, some wobbles out of China at the moment. Um, it deciding to, to cut official interest rates, whereas the rest of the world is increasing um, official interest rates. Um, property market, they're teetering. Does that play into the all of these commodities into the future? Is that something you should follow if you're an investor with resource stocks? I certainly think so, David. You'd be, you'd be remiss not to, considering the amount of demand that they have and the position that they command in the market. Uh, just on the, some of those issues that you were just talking to, to though, there is some evidence that the property market uh, rumblings are settling down a little bit, certainly not gone away, but, but settling down. Uh, and I would think that the Chinese uh, government still has quite a number of levers that it could pull in order yeah. to stimulate further. So, uh, you know, whilst they, they do have to stimulate, and Xi was out the other day saying that he doesn't want 
Western governments to start raising yet because it could upset the apple cart. Um, they, they still do have some policy levers that, you know, and some big ones uh, that they could pull uh, to keep the uh, to keep the, the the accelerator on the pedal. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would be I'd be mindful of it, but not scared by it at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, and certainly uh, China sits on a lot of cash. They've sort of been America's banker for years and years and years, haven't they? Um, yeah, they certainly have. I think they've got, still got trillions in their in their vaults. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, David Quinn wants a view on Nine Entertainment. We talked about Domain a bit earlier. Um, yeah. It was it was spun out of Nine Entertainment, but of course Nine Entertainment, uh, the Nine Network, uh, Stan, um, stake right. in Domain as well. What's your view on that? Yep. Yeah, we like Nine Entertainment and think that it, it uh, is a good business. It's uh, well valued at the moment. Uh, we've got a, a buy recommendation on it. Uh, as you said, they've got the interest in domain. So if you did want some exposure there, I think um, yeah, buying Nine is, is probably the better way than buying domain outright. Uh, and as you mentioned, Stan is is doing very, very well. And, and we are seeing the, the traditional news networks or traditional um, TV networks uh, are benefiting from the move to um, streaming services and, and Stan's done very, very well in that space. Uh, and yeah, we, we like Nine. We think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good business. Uh, it also has a, a reasonable yield of about 4.4%. So from yeah. an income point of view, um, you know, it, it, it does quite well in portfolios. So yeah, that's a stock that we quite like. Okay. Just asking for a friend. Um, what do you think of Seven? <laughs> Well, we also like uh, Seven and, and we've got a, a buy on, on them as well. So, uh, yeah, but both businesses, uh, as I said, have diversified quite well. Um, Seven obviously did very, very well through the Olympics and, and their Seven Plus um, business you know, did, did very well through that. Um, so, and heading forward into the, into the Beijing Olympics in, in February as well. Um, yeah, we like Seven also. Okay. Chris, what do you think of uh, of Nine, one of the big traditional media groups? Also like Nine, David, also rated as a buy. Uh, again, the points I were going to hit were around the diversification uh, within their portfolio. Um, perhaps some, st- uh, some strength still to come in the free-to-air advertising market as we all cycle out of out of lockdowns uh, and the cost growth uh, at their recent update uh, was under control and, and less than expected as well. So. Uh, still some room for growth, costs under control, nice diversified suite of products that uh, a few, quite a few of them are leaders in their, in their space. Uh, so all shaping up nicely and like I said, a buy on it as well. Isn't that interesting, Chris? Only a couple of years ago, these traditional um, media groups, um, everyone was sounding the death knell on them, uh, weren't they? That you know, they're going to lose out to Facebook and Google and uh, Netflix and the like, but they've they've sort of reinvented themselves and done it pretty well. Yeah, and that is absolutely the key, David. They were undoubtedly staring down the barrel of um, well oblivion with those old hat old hat assets, uh, but they've not only been able been able to reshape those assets and and bring them forward into the the new realm, uh, but also come up with new competitive products like a stand uh, as well. So. Yeah, it has been a massive transformation. It's happened in quick time, and the leaders of, of both seven and nine uh, should be uh, should be very proud of themselves with what they've yeah. achieved. Yeah, they've uh, cut their costs and cut their debt, which uh, which markets certainly like. 
All right, so uh, a buy from both Chris and David on Nine Entertainment Network. Um, Lachlan, Chris wants a view on GBT Group, the uh, uh, the big big property investment group uh, across commercial and uh, and retail. Don't mind this one, David. Uh, slow and steady has been a solid performer. Continues to make some uh, good moves in their portfolio. So they sold Wollongong Central. And they bought a $700-odd million portfolio in October with a number of pretty good-looking assets. They do have a, a commitment to achieving around 30% exposure to logistics, uh, which I, I like a lot. But my preference in this space would be uh, Goodman Group for that reason. They have a, a, a bigger focus and a stronger focus on the logistics side. But uh, overall, it's, it's really hard to fault this one. Uh, occupancy rates uh, have been lifting as well. And typically, they cycle better in the second half of a year as well. So again, some nice, uh, some nice tailwinds there. So I uh, wouldn't necessarily be a buyer of it at this price, but it's, it's, it's certainly a hold. Okay. All right. What about the the issue of working from home? You know, remote working now in office buildings and uh, online retail for uh, replacing shop fronts. Is it is it all doom and gloom for commercial office space and also the the big retail centres? No, I don't think so, David. With the, with the office space, I was having this conversation, I think, uh, with someone on the show last week that, um, you know, whilst it is called work from home, I think all of our working arrangements are going to be far more flexible. So that might be days at home, days in a main office, days in a satellite office, uh, and people will just move around a lot more and need more flexibility. And that will actually, I think, drive some demand. So the, the old world that will no longer exist of wake up in the morning, go to the office and then come home. Um, but there'll be more flexibility and perhaps some more properties that you know companies need to engage in there. So they might move out of the city, move more regional, move, uh, move to other areas. So it will shift and it will change, but I think the overall demand can remain solid. Yeah. I must admit, I've got a, um, a mate who was telling me that uh, they were looking for more office space. And I said, what the hell do you want more office space? And he goes, well, we've been hot desking for about seven or eight years. And in a yep. pandemic, you cannot hot desk anymore. Everyone's got to have their own desk. Uh, it's a, a bit separate. Uh, it's got to be cleaned every night. So our cleaning bills have gone up. But we're after more because... We just need to put these people in. So that, that yep. runs counter, doesn't it, to um, a yep. lot of the mainstream views? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, it, it is going to be interesting. It's going to take a while, I think, for, for all of these changes to bed down and you, you can't make generalisations at all. Um, David, what do you think of GPT? Been around a long time, hasn't it? Started by, it who was it, Dick Dusseldorp? Was it back in right. when, yes. when he founded Lend Lease as a way of shifting some of their properties into a portfolio? Correct. Yeah, yeah, the old general property group, but uh, yep. general property trust. But uh, yeah, it's been around for a long time. But we we think that in in recent years it's improved the the way they manage their properties. Uh, and we we do like GPT. It's it's one of our preferred diversified plays. Um, and Chris mentioned uh, Goodman Group, which is is much more specialised in that logistics business. Um, we do like Goodman, but 
GPT will give you some exposure to office. It'll give you some exposure to retail and also to logistics. Um, Chris mentioned <coughs> that before, and GPT has actually announced today that they've had a bit of a restructure with a number of their management uh, and recognising their increase in exposure to logistics. So that's now about 27% of their business. Uh, so they've got a new uh, executive structure in place. So they've got new new people in, in charge of that. So gives you a broad exposure to property around the, the country, uh, gives a good dividend yield of 4.8%. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's slow and steady, a good, exposure to property in a portfolio uh you're not going to get into into too much trouble uh yeah. in being invested in gpt and it's one that you can uh hold for the long term okay so you've got a buy on gpt and you think it's uh we've actually got an accumulate recommendation accumulate. uh which right. is not as not as strong as the buy but uh yeah from a for a portfolio uh quite happy to be buying them at the moment so you prefer it to goodman Oh, we still like Goodman as well. Uh, they're, they're probably little di different sorts of businesses in that GPT uh, will continue to pay your, your income. Um, Goodman is, is really more of your, your growth business. Uh, they're more of a, a developer, uh, <coughs> not pay dividend yield, but we've seen exceptional share price growth out of oh, yeah. uh, Goodman. I was going to say, so, they, they've sort of got a rock star status amongst the, those yeah. property groups, don't they? Do you, Definitely. Yeah. Are they able to maintain that? Uh, I, well, certainly in the in the short term, um, they've you know benefited from the 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 bigger demand for online shopping and uh, Amazon. You know, they built the Amazon sites in Australia, but then also other businesses as well, and, and getting into logistics. And we think that trend is is going to continue as well. So um, yeah. Certainly don't necessarily think that GPT or Goodman are an either or. Most portfolios yep. could probably have some of each. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Chris, our final stock, Eric wants a view on Estia Health, the, uh, the big aged care facility provider. Yeah, this is a uh, an avoid for me, uh, David. Uh, again, just just looking at the three year chart, it, it is pretty much exactly the same price as it was three years ago. They did have some decent results last time out. Uh, better than expected earnings. Uh, the mature homes division had underlying earnings of 62 million, which was ahead of consensus at around 40, uh, 49 million. Uh, good occupancy rates up to 91.8% from 90.6%. But uh, like I said, the share price is going nowhere. It's a relatively competitive space. Uh, and the other thing that I'd be concerned about is higher operating costs, which will uh, you know, way uh, even if they do manage to improve that top line revenue. So, um, I think certainly think you can do better elsewhere, Eric. Yeah, it's it's funny, Chris, isn't it? Because as a sector, you would see this sector as a no-brainer. Aging population, um, uh, people wanting wanting care, but as you say, highly competitive, and that um, royal commission into yeah. aged care is certainly going to bump up the cost of running them, is that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would have thought, <clears throat> pardon me, some of the revelations from that Royal Commission would have left a very, very bad taste in investors' mouths. Uh, and as I was doing the research for this one, that was absolutely within my mind. And you know, that's probably what led me to say that comment that you can do better elsewhere. So, um, yeah. 
you know, personal feelings about the space and about some of these operators, not necessarily Estia, but the overall uh, industry. Uh, like I said, it's a, a little bit still on the nose. So um, I think you can yeah. do better elsewhere ethically and uh, in terms of a, 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 a performance as well. So, so, so you're saying it's not just an avoid on Estia, the whole sector is probably a no-go zone for you at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And having had a look at their, their competitors, there was no business or no chart that stood out to me that was exceptional in any case. So, uh, yeah, again, you marry you marry that sentiment with um, with uh, a lack of performance, and yeah, it's the whole the whole sector. Yeah. Um, what do you think, David? SDA Health. It is a challenging one, but probably a little bit more positive on on SDA. Um, we think that you know that the business is one of the the better operators, uh, and as you said. It is a challenging industry. It is an industry where you've got increased government regulation at the moment. You've got the the increased costs and and problems with uh, the the Omicron virus in in aged care facilities as well, which they they're obviously having to juggle with. And you're always going to have those sorts of health problems. Um, but having said that, it it is a good business. It's it's profitable. It pays a, a reasonable yield, about 2.7%. So it's not extraordinary, but it does pay a bit of an income. Um, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it with a target price of $2.70. So it implies a, mm. a, an upside of about 20% on the current share price. So we think that there is some reasonable value there. Uh, but yes, it, it, it's a challenging sector. It's one that... Uh, you need to, I suppose, keep a, a reasonably close eye on. Uh, it does have a, a higher risk than, than some other, um, you know, more conservative type in investments in the portfolio. Um, but Estia's a, a reasonable uh, buy at the moment. Okay. All right, Eric, thank you for that suggestion. And also thanks to David Lane from Ord Minute. Mate, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Likewise, it. Chris Conway from Marcus today. Uh, Thanks for all your thoughts, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, gents. Appreciate it. Let's uh, just recap the uh, the final five stocks. Shaver Shop uh, and Accumulate from uh, from David at Ords. Um, Chris went went into Shaver Shop, did a fair bit of research, really liked what he saw. uh, And Chris Conway has a buy on Shaver Shop. Uh, Aluka Resources, the big mineral sands uh, giant. A yes from Chris, um, a hold from David. Nine Entertainment gets a thumbs up from both Chris and David. Uh, GPT is an accumulate from Ords, uh, a hold from uh, from uh, 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 an accumulate from David rather than a hold from Chris. And Estia uh, is an accumulate from uh, from David. And Chris just doesn't like the either the stock or the whole sector. Um, so uh, from today's uh, call, Nine and Santos go into the calls portfolio, uh, fantasy portfolio. As I said, it's um, the calls portfolio is undergoing a bit of a reshape um, at the moment. We'll be able to announce some really exciting news on that on the 1st of February and uh, following up a lot of suggestions that you've given us over the last couple of months. Now, if you want us to uh, look at a particular stock that in, interests you here on the call and want me to uh, to put it to our expert panel, just put them in an email to me, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle.